Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good on a Sunday like this to every chance we have break out into song. It's good for our heart, those songs that rest so deep inside of our soul. So thank you, Doc, and our crew today. You know, it never ceases to amaze me that after numerous times of hearing this Matthew text that Mitch, a.k.a. the Phantom of the Opera, just read for us, that I still go into this way of thinking that says, see, you don't have what you don't have because you're doing it wrong. you got to do this first, and then you're going to get what you want. I find myself, myself still trying to control the situation, to bend and manipulate the word to my will to get what I want out of it. Whether it is simply still coming down to worrying about what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to wear or this or that, my head and my heart are still concerned often about these things first. Our text today calls that worry. Now, if you'll remember from last week, we looked at the parable that Jesus told of the rich man and his desire to build barns. He got a, uh, a big harvest. He had an abundant crop. And he said, I'm never going to have to work again. I'm never going to have to worry. I'm going to do this instead. Now, in Luke, this Matthew 6 follows immediately after this parable. In Matthew, it follows about giving and prayer and fasting and where your treasure is. So really, this section is the other side of the coin of that. The rich man had an abundance of good and could eat and drink. But now Jesus speaks to those who lack material goods. And so who worry about what to eat and what to drink? See, most people in the time of Christ did not have an abundance. They had to actually worry about what they would eat or drink or wear. They were living paycheck to paycheck. Really, they were living day to day. Many didn't know if they would eat or how they would be providing. So this time Jesus speaks not because you have such an abundance you don't need to worry about these things. He's directing right to our hearts, even when we are in need. For friends, this is a matter of entrusting one's life to God. See, we all fall somewhere on this spectrum of abundance and need. And still we're called, what, three, maybe four times in this text to put worrying aside, to not be anxious. That Such worrying about things like this is a sign of little faith. That by pursuing these things, we'll fall into the same trap as the rich man who looked for his possessions to provide his security. This is a matter of entrusting our lives to God. Rather than worry. We are called to seek his kingdom and righteousness. Seek. The Gospel of John records Jesus' first spoken words as, what do you seek? In some translations, it's what are you looking for, what do you want, what are you after, but the word is seek. Now he speaks this to his first disciples who, who come to him. This question isn't an inquiry. Jesus isn't looking for information. In just a few verses, we're going to see that he can see right into someone's heart and judge their character by his conversations with Nathaniel and Simon, who will be called Peter. What do you seek is not a question for Jesus. It is for the disciples. And it is a question for you and for I. Me. What do you seek? This question throws us back upon ourselves. 
calls us to look at our own experience, our own story and answer. What is it that drives us, that has value for us, that makes us decide on one direction over another? The Lord invites us to speak here and to give account from our heart. Invites us to move beyond our immediate appetite and the multiple distortions of self-imagery and self-congratulatory to crave something more. And when we get past that initial reaction of food and clothes and splendor, this question sits on our heart. It is a question for every disciple of Jesus. So I ask you, what are you looking for? What is the desire of your heart, the longing you have in your soul? What or who do you seek? Do you want to have better food and clothes? Do you want to enhance your reputation? Do we want acceptance, redemption? Do we want a cure? An answer to all our questions or someone to just solve all our problems? Jesus knows we want all of those things. And today the teacher, the, the shepherd, would guide our hearts deeper. He knows and sees there is trouble. Trouble with feelings of being left out and alone. He knows and sees that there are needs, prayers. Friend, our prayer list of names has never been longer in the history of at least my mind than it is now. And I know there's even more names on that list that need to be added. The Lord knows and sees that we have needs. He knows and sees that there is this pressure on us, that there's this shame, that there's everything closing and getting tighter again and it's getting harder and harder. And He knows that there's discomfort, that there's grief, and that there's pain. He sees us and He knows us. This text is not just a don't worry, be happy. It is that He gets it, but that there is a life of more. Not a life of more stuff, but a life of more. The Lord wants our hearts and is inviting us to entrust our lives to Him. And He says, seek His kingdom. His kingdom is not some future age or some time that's going to one day get here as if we have to, to go to heaven to experience the kingdom. The kingdom's not some political party or some program or a certain church. The kingdom of God is the divine force in this world that is bringing healing and hope to a suffering humanity. The kingdom of God must be a strong force in our lives. It's to be experienced in our present day. This experience of healing and hope. Not once it's all over or as soon as we get through this, then, then we'll be in the kingdom. It's now. It's here. And it's here. And it's wherever you find yourself today. The Lord calls us to look past these illusions of being our own king and queen who seeks to plan out a life for ourselves first. Who seeks to make our own kingdom first who tirelessly works to control our image, our homes, our lives, only to have them snatched away from us, only to have the rug pulled out from us, only to have the world shut down and turned upside down, 
only to have the things that we thought that we were controlling turn around and seem to be controlling us as if they were the master over us. He invites us to live in His kingdom, to take off our crown, place it at His feet, and surrender our will to His, to let Him reign over your daily life, to choose to follow Him, or as we like to say, to daily die to sin and rise instead with Him. That is not easy. It's not easy. I think of that skit about uh, the rich man who was told to leave all his possessions and follow the Lord. In the skit, he walks away and, and Peter runs after him trying to stop him and tell him, hey, if you do it, it's going to be worth it. And the rich man looks Peter up and down and says, walk away from all of this? What did you give up, Peter? Getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning, working till your back is broken, reeking of fish? Yeah, you gave up a lot, but look at everything that I would be walking away from. Who would walk away from all of this? I pray that we do. I pray that we would walk away from everything that would entangle us, the sin that holds us back, the things that we try to stuff, put into our suitcase, and drag into the kingdom of God. I pray that by faith, we would choose to serve in His kingdom. That by faith, we would worship Him. That by faith, we would seek Him above all other things. I've heard it said that in this kingdom of God, faith as small as a mustard seed can do great things. Maybe that means for us today that this will be little steps that we will take in this kingdom. Crawl, walk, run. Little steps that may be small in the eyes of the world, but isn't it just like our God to use something small and to make a big change in us and a big change in His kingdom? Megan just announced in the videos that 100 children will be receiving Christmas gifts this year. That doesn't make much of a dent in the entire world, but it certainly makes a difference to the one. I witnessed 50 families receiving Thanksgiving meals, groceries, and a gift card to get even more during these holiday times because each week we take an offering in this church and we pull together our resources to meet their needs. I witnessed Bible study groups come together either over Zoom, in their homes with their children, or however they did it, to put together little kits so that children would have stuffed animals, books, and blankets. I witnessed one knit 60 hats so that heads would be covered and not cold. Today I see that the doors of our church have to be closed, but I still witness the word being spoken and encouraging our hearts. I still witness songs being sung of praise to the God who reigns, who controls and who oversees us and this entire world. I see this and I am confident that no matter what, through it all, we will seek His kingdom and His righteousness. 
And I am confident and believe in this above all things. That the one seeks you and me much more than we seek him. Now, I don't know what the little steps for you are going to be today. All I know is that the more I learn about giving and serving is that it's not about the amount, it's about the attitude, it's about the heart, it's about the posture. The heart is the representation of the inner self. The Pharisees cared about what they looked like on the outside. God looks at the heart. And when we live in his kingdom and when we seek his righteousness, his wells, it is no one, his ways, it is no wonder we sing out, it is well. It isn't well because we have more things. It is well because he reigns. It is well because his kingdom comes, his kingdom is here. For the kingdom of God brings hope and healing and His salvation. The incarnate Christ has come to bring peace to ease your minds, to heal your souls and restore your heart, to bring hope and salvation to sinners who were lost and buried in their own ways and brought up to life. In this kingdom life, the only thing that we do is what we see our Father doing. For our Father has covered us in His righteousness. And now we learn how to live and work by seeing what He has done, is doing, and continues to do in our midst. Does our Father not prepare the very good that we are to do in His kingdom before we even have gotten there? Does our Father not clothe us with what we are to wear. Love, compassion, kindness. Does our Father not feed us with His very self? Does the Father not give us daily bread? Does the Father not give us new mercies each and every morning? And is it not the Father Himself who stands next to you in the fire Is it not the Father himself who holds back the waves and calms the storm in our lives? And is it not the Father himself who has brought down his kingdom among us and ensured that we are not alone, has given his spirit to live in us and has connected us one to another? In this kingdom, the Father says nothing will separate us from him because of the love of Jesus Christ. And I promise you that no amount of physical distance or quarantining will keep us apart in spirit. If death can't do it, no pandemic will. So things may not feel so familiar, and our traditions might look a little different. But what's here will not be taken away from you and does not change. Through it all, His kingdom and His righteousness reign. And it is because of that, in complete thanksgiving, that we read and declare this psalm that Pastor Tim sent out to each of us in an email this week, and I would encourage you to follow along with me on the screen. To spend some time in Psalm 13 and notice the feelings of being left out, the feelings of loneliness, the feelings of doubt, 
feelings of grief, feelings of scrolling on Instagram and seeing how others somehow have it good and better than us, feelings of depression and pain, feelings of loss and humiliation. And through it all, we will see what we are to do, who we are to be on account of Jesus Christ. We cry, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Who are you seeking? Because there is one who seeks you. Whose mercy and love will follow you all the days of your life. You belong to him. And through it all, we are confident. Through it all, we give praise. Amen.